Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. I tell you what, man, he's a literal titan across the entire media landscape. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys, is it? Hey, a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stupidity. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. That's how we've become the biggest podcast in the world. We're cheating. Listening is optional. How about that? <laughs> I don't even care if you listen to the goddamn thing. Anyway, Mike, it is. I do care. Honestly, I do care. Mike, can, we, can I just point out the, the irony that you're telling people not to listen in the thing that they're supposed to be listening to or that's not listening point. to? Uh, that's it. Should we do it again? Take two. Let's do it again. <laughs> Keep it in. Three, two, one. Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate, and review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re rate, re review. We are the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Listening is no longer optional, it is mandatory. Have a man, my yay. Mandatory. <laughs> you feel better? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Jim Bones McKay is going to join us. Mike, I have said this for as long as I have been on the air. That's 20 years. There is one thing consistently that I have said throughout the years that is the truth. Okay. Just what? Okay. And that is that Masters Week is my favorite week on the sports calendar. Uh, we had Tom Rinaldi on earlier this week. He was fantastic. Augusta is getting underway this week. I'm so excited. And Jim Bones McKay was on Phil Mickelson's bag for 20-plus years. He is my favorite golfer, Mickelson is. And that makes Bones my favorite caddy. And he's going to join us. And I am super excited. Mike, are you feeling it? It's Masters Week, Michael. Meh. <laughs> Let's bring that excitement to Jim Bones McKay right now. Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold Miller Lite. So, we have... Always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. All right, very exciting. This is my favorite week on the sports calendar. It's the only thing in my career I've been consistent about. Chris, is that accurate? I, I feel like it's the only thing 
that I've been consistent about over 20 years where I say every year Masters Week is the favorite week on my sports calendar. Is that right? It is the only thing you've been honest about. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Jim Bones- just honest. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Bones McKay joins us here. Legendary caddy. We'll talk about what he's doing uh, in just a second. Really a legendary golf figure. Uh, Bones, do you consider yourself to be a legendary golf figure? You should. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't consider myself to be legendary in anything. I, I consider myself to be uh, lucky for an L word, but you know, caddying and now the TV thing. But you know, the caddy experience over you know twenty eight years or so was amazing. You know, to you know go around the world and be out there and work for a great player, especially in the Tiger era. I mean, it was a blast. Why was it lucky? Explain the luck involved. Well, certainly there's some luck involved in caddying. You know, I think it's like any other job. You know, you've got to be good at what you do, but you got to get that break also. Um, I certainly got a great break in you know, being able to become Phil's first caddy in 1992 and honestly thought that, you know, you'd stick around for a year or two because that's the typical lifespan of a caddy, but to last for 25 years and to have him turn out to be as great a player as he was and is, was great for me. Well, I'm just wondering, uh, you mentioned, you know, that you're not that famous or something, but I feel like you're one of the caddies that's more well-known than most golfers on tour. So, like, what was that dynamic like walking around on the course, kind of knowing that I'm more famous than some of these golfers? (laughs) Well, I will say I got lucky with my nickname. You know, know, I've got a nickname that's fairly easy to remember. I'm, you know, tall and skinny, which is why I got it to begin with. And, you know, certainly when I started caddying in 1990, there were caddies named Bad Luck Chuck and Penitentiary Larry to get some thing as g-rated as bones was lucky for me and you know it kind of stuck and you know people could kind of remember it somewhere in the recesses of their mind i guess how'd you get the nickname it came from freddie couples didn't it yeah we were at a tournament in france and uh we were at it's like a buffet style dinner a bunch of you know caddies players and their wives and freddie got a steaming plate of food and sat down and realized he didn't have any silverware and was not going to walk 30 feet to go and find a knife and a fork so he saw this skinny guy standing next to the silverware, which is me. He had no idea what my name was because I just started caddying. And he started screaming out these random names, none of which were mine. And then he finally yelled out Bones. I turned around, brought him a knife and fork, and it stuck forever. <laughs> but what, look, you're a caddy. You're not fucking Freddy's waiter. I mean, <laughs> come on. The good thing is that we are very, very close. His longtime <laughs> caddy, Joe, who now caddies for Tiger. We've all been the best of friends for years. And one of my th- favorite things about Fred is that you know, when he if he went to 100 dinners on the tour, 95 of them were with caddies. So we spent a lot of time together over the years. So I'm glad I got it from him. True or false, Fred Couples will be on the leaderboard of the Masters Tournament 10 years after he retires. <laughs> <laughs> He's always, there's always a, like, a cagey bet hanging around after the first round or two. You know? Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, the guy's good. I mean, and so much about that course is angles and memory and, and knowing what's going on in the greens. And he cer- certainly knows that. He certainly gets really jacked up to, to go there and play, you know, certainly getting towards whatever age he is now, late 50s, or I'm not really sure. But uh, I can't imagine there's a lot of tournaments he gets keyed up for, but the Masters is definitely it. And uh, it'll be a shame, you know, the year he stops playing there because the people love him and, you know, Tiger loves him. They play practice rounds together all the time when Tiger's healthy and uh, he's a fixture there for sure. Bones, how is it? If Freddie Couples was on this Zoom right now, okay, he would, and I'm saying by far, he would look the youngest of the five of us on this Zoom. How is that possible? <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, you're right. He, he, you know, he's, he's got those good jeans, yes. those good Italian jeans from his mom in Seattle. And, and uh, you know, he's just that guy. And um, 
you know, he's a fun loving guy. He certainly gets plenty of rest. We all know that, but he's just such a lovable person, love having him around. And, and, and again, you know, what, what, you know, whether you're going to a ball game or a concert or hanging out, you know, just having something to eat, he's just one of the all time greats as far as I'm concerned. Bones, if he can help us out, because it is my favorite week on the sports calendar. Um, I love the event. I love everything that surrounds the event. If you could, we had Tom Rinaldi on yesterday, who has covered many, many uh, Masters tournaments. And I asked him the same question. If you could describe for us in the audience, what makes this week and that place so special? Um, I would say it's the most beautiful course in the world that's not on an ocean. Right. Uh, I would say that no matter what goes on with television, it'll never do it justice until you're finally able to walk on the grounds itself and see it in person. You know how uphill everything is downhill, um, you know how green it is. Um, everything's perfect. You'll never see a, a piece of garbage on the floor. You'll never go and get something to eat and have to pay way more money than you should. It's the most classy event in sports, I think. And the members, there's some great folks there that are members. They treat everybody incredibly well. Um, it's just special. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, it's that major again, that's played on the same course every single year where the others rotate. There's just the history is crazy. You walk across the bridge, Ben Hogan's bridge. This is where, you know, Faldo did this or Tiger did that, or Bubba hit the wedge shot out of the woods on 10. I mean, it's just on every single hole, something amazing, you know, given the history of golf happened there. And, uh, it just, it just reeks of it when you're there. And it, it's, it's just a fantastic place to be able to set foot on. Owens, what would I have to do to play there? Like, tell me, like, you're going to get me in there, me, me, you, and Chris, and uh, maybe Phil. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, are you friends with Goodell? I mean, he's a member there, right? I mean, I think I read this week that Manfred's a member there. They, they oh, Manfred they, hates us. <laughs> uh, you're out. Sorry, you're out. Um, but maybe Goodell. Maybe Goodell. Yeah, okay. Okay. You know, you, all you need is one. You know, right. I mean. You know, if, if you if you bump into Condoleezza Rice somewhere, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, but I will say they're incredibly friendly. A couple of my best friends are, are members there. They hang out in the caddy house with you and eat, you know, egg salad sandwiches and tell stories. It's it's a blast. Right. Well, listen, I was hoping that maybe your best friends would become my best friends. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's worth a shot. Um, I want to play a weird game with you. OK, a weird game. The winner gets $10 million, okay? $10 million. It is you. I don't know why I'm making it Jim Nance, but I'm going to make it Jim Nance, okay? It is you, Jim Nance. Mikey, yeah, give me a third one. Would it be Tiger? Who could we go with? Because I'm going for the Phil, Phil here, not, not yeah. a guy. Uh, no, not Van Pelt. Um, Let's go Van Pelt. That's fine. All right, Let's Van go. Pelt. All right, Jim Bones McKay, okay? Uh, Jim Nance. And Scott Van Pelt, okay? It's a weird game. The winner gets $10 million, but the winner has to tell the best story involving Phil Mickelson. Jim Bones McKay pulls out which story to win $10 million? I'd slaughter those guys. Uh, let's see. <laughs> you got them all, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, take your, take your yes, time. Take your time. <laughs> listen, Bones, I'm telling you. And Chris will tell you that the only other thing I've been consistent about is Phil Mickelson is my favorite golfer. Okay. Although I'm a lefty. He's a lefty. I'm always rooting for Phil. So he's my favorite golfer. So take your time with the stories, man. Let it flow. Okay. So it's no secret that Phil likes to play golf for a couple of bucks when he's not playing in tournament rounds. 
Yeah. So for the for for a long time, when Phil first got on on the tour, if you wanted to wager in games on a Tuesday and Wednesday, typically you would do it at majors. He would play guys, and DJ would always want a piece of them. DJ loves the action, loves to play a few games. But back in the '90s, when Phil first got on the tour, there was a player on the tour named John Houston. He plays on the Champions Tour still, and he was a very good player, won several times, and he was one of those guys that could just do you know unbelievable things on a golf course he probably never got quite as much out of his game as he could but he was an unbelievable practice round wagering partner so the game was if you wanted a piece of john houston and phil you basically had to make an appointment because people wanted to take their shot so it's 1999 and it's early in the year we're so on the west coast and john daly comes up to phil and says hey who you got on tuesday of the masters for your practice round and phil goes we don't have anybody yet he goes well i'm gonna grab a partner I want a piece of you and Johnny Ray. Phil says, great. Eight o'clock Tuesday. So you get to the first day. You're not allowed to play till eight o'clock. You know, the tradition there, the Masters for years was Tiger would go first because he's Tiger. And then Phil would go second with whoever he's playing with. So we get out there on Tuesday, Phil and Johnny Ray. And here comes John Daly. And he's got at that day, this guy, Tim Heron, who was a good player on the tour from Minnesota. And basically Tim Heron's a hired hand. John Daly is going to play, take both sides of the action against Houston and Phil. So they're just playing for a few thousand dollars and they get out there and they play and they get to 18 and John Daly's getting beat up pretty good. You know, he's, you know, several thousand downs down to both guys, something along those lines. And he goes, okay, double or nothing. So they play the 18th there at Augusta national. You've seen the hole. It's a front right hole location. You typically see it on Friday and you know, they, Guys hit it out in the fairway, and Daly's up to hit his iron shot, and he hits this really good shot that hits the backboard in the middle of green, spins back down, and finishes six inches from the hole. You can kind of hear the reaction from the crowd. Great shot. Only problem is John Houston's next to play hits the exact same shot, spins it off the hill. It goes in for a two. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Crushed. So he's beside himself and says, you got to be kidding me. Okay, same time tomorrow. I want my money back. clock. <laughs> So, okay. So the next day we get out there and we warm up at seven 30 and we go to the tee at eight Oh five. And there goes tiger and Phil stand there with John Houston. There's no John Daly. So we're waiting and we're waiting. And sure enough, we see the, the door of the clubhouse open and he walks out and he's got his arm around the number one ranked player in the world at that point in 1999. It's David Duvall. Who's won like his last three or four tournaments. Right. And once again, hired hand and off they go and they play. And the long story short is, they got to the back nine and John Houston birdied seven of the nine holes and the two holes. <laughs> oh my birdied. God. Bill Eagle, both of them. <laughs> Something like a 25. <laughs> is that you know when daily paid off at the end of the day he paid off in in in, in something that came in a grocery bag for the next 45 minutes i just want to tell phil stories that holy was... shit that's good chris go ahead who makes these rules that tiger gets to go first in the morning and phil gets to go second just because you're the best golfer you get the best t- like time slot every practice round 
nobody makes it. It was unofficial for years. Certainly, you know, Ty, everybody knows Tiger's up at, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning and he's working out and he's practicing and, and he's, he's Tiger Woods. He's the guy out there that, that, that made everybody an incredible living. I don't care if you're a player or a caddy or a member of the media, whatever the case may be. So if Tiger wants to go at eight, Tiger goes at eight. You know, you've got to tip your hat to the guy. And, uh, you know, we would wait and you had to wait, you know, and, and we had this system as I would go to the tee as Phil was putting or hitting balls and and Tiger would go and I'd kind of reserve us a spot. And but uh, I, I completely understand your point. And there were certainly some occasions where guys try to get out ahead. But uh, if you teed off ahead of Tiger in a practice round at Augusta, you were uh, not uh, not taking care of the man that was uh, was was the guy there for forever. But Bones, like Phil's got some ego on him. Like that didn't bother him at all. Like he's always uh, going behind Tiger. <laughs> you know, I know what you're saying. There's plenty of ego out there. But, you know, Phil's, Phil will be the first to say, and he said it publicly, you know, he, he, no one's benefited from Tiger right. in a sense more than Phil. And, uh, you know, I, I live in a nicer house, you know, because of Tiger Woods. Certainly I'm incredibly grateful that I caddied for Phil. But again, you know, the money went through the roof. The tournament's became must-see TV. Um, everything changed. I was out there long before Tiger came out. And, uh, I, you know, the, 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 obviously the impact he had on the sport and everybody else is just profound. That, that's really interesting to me because that, the, the way that he brought the money to the sport is talked about in the media, but I didn't realize it was so in the sport where, like, the guys that are playing are like, that's Tiger. Like, he's making my, my living better. Like, I, it's just interesting that that dynamic is, even with the players, at practice rounds, like, it's like Tiger's the man. Well, I mean, you're right. And again, you're trying to beat the guy and it wasn't fun to get your head kicked in as much as you were by the guy. It was really tough to win a major, you know, for a long, long, long time. Um, but again, if, if you're playing out there pre-1996 and first place is $250,000 and then in the year 2000, all of a sudden it's a million two, you know, people are going to say, hey, you know, I wonder why that is. And it was a pretty easy answer. Oh my gosh, folks. Gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Jim Bones McKay with us on behalf of the Aon Risk Reward Challenge Holes for the PGA and LPGA doing some really, really great work. And you can check it out at Aon.com. How many majors does Phil win if Tiger never comes yeah, that's around? That's such a good question. Um, it's a great question. You know, certainly more, you know, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful to anybody there that predated those guys. But, you know, could he have gotten to eight or ten quite possibly? Um you know, it's uh, it's it's the question I'll never know the answer to. Uh, it was just the thing about Tiger was that you know he never made a mistake. That you could make the argument that he was better than everybody in virtually every aspect of the game. He was longer off the tee. He had great irons, chipping, putting, and then of course mentally he was so strong. And 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 it was fascinating to watch. 
And I've had the opportunity to have a couple of beers with him at team events and things along those lines. He's an incredibly likable guy. You can't help but, you know, root for him. And certainly with what he's going through now, uh, we all miss him but, and, uh, and wish the best for him. But um, it was tough. Uh, and, and I love David Duvall's line where you get these kids these days that come out and say, geez, you know, um, I, I wish I had a chance to play against Tiger when he was in his prime. And Duvall said, you know what? No, you don't. <laughs> you know, the guy was just it was crazy how, how, how good he was and, and still is. And uh, we're just lucky that the guy didn't play soccer or tennis or, you know, be a DB in the NFL because he could have done anything. Who's the life of the party at those uh, team events where, you're, you know, cracking a couple open? Well, I will say that, you know, I've, you know, if you put, you know, hidden cameras in the team events at the Ryder Cup of the President's Cup, you would, I mean, it's hilarious to watch the ping pong matches, especially <laughs> after a couple of drinks. You know, you've got the college football rivalries. And then Sunday night, you know, it turns into a pretty big blowout. And unfortunately, we lost a few Ryder Cups. And the joke was that we would lose the Ryder Cup, but we would always win the team party because the Europeans would end up in our room. But it, it, it was fun. And uh, everybody contributed. Uh, Bones, describe what it's like to be a caddy. Because I think people just watch golf. They see a hand in a club to someone. And people who play golf know it's much more than that. It's part psychologist. It's friend. It's trust. Descri and how'd you get into it? So describe what it's like to be a caddy and how you kind of got into it. Yeah, you know, caddying is, uh, it's like, as you mentioned, it's like six or seven jobs all wrapped into one. And yeah. just about any could do, anybody can do the nuts and bolts of it in terms of carrying the bag, raking a bunker and telling the guy he's got 168. But the question is that when your player is standing in the 15th fairway at the Masters and there's wind in and he's got adrenaline pumping through his body, can you help him decide on the right club? Uh, knowing full well that, you know, he, he might win the Masters and he might, might look incredibly silly, you know, not winning it, depending on how it goes. So um, it's all about how you do in those really, really big moments. Um, you got to take care of your person. You get there, you're there before they get there. You're there long after they leave. Uh, you better know the golf courses inside and out. You better know your player inside and out. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's uh, how are your communication skills? A lot of it, I think, is about the economy of words. I mean, if we've got a big decision to make and Sugat, you asked me what club I like, I better be able to tell you in about 10 words or less. Otherwise, I'm just going to add to the stress of the moment. And so uh, it's like that. But, I, you know, if you're in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. It's a it's a traveling circus out there. Great relationships, great times. Uh, at some point, a caddy's going to, you know, write an incredible book and people aren't going to believe all the great stories, all the things that go on out there. And it's just it, I was incredibly lucky to get out there when I did and to work for a guy that won majors and, you know, played in 22 team events, 11 Ryder Cup, stuff like that. I was just spoiled rotten. Uh, Bones, by the way, you won the $10 million, just so you know, with your story. OK, uh, but I, I only <laughs> asked that question because it leads to this. Have you ever given Phil or any other golfer? You were, you, you know, mostly been on Phil's bag. But have you ever do you have a story where you gave them maybe the wrong advice and Phil got pissed at you? Well, well you know, the great thing about Phil is and I don't want to get too kind of technical here. The great thing about Phil was he's a very responsible player. So if we're standing in the 18th hole and I tell him, man, I love six iron. I love six iron. He likes seven, but he goes with me and he hits six iron in the hot dog stand over the green and we lose the tournament. He was a guy ultimately that would say, that's OK. I was the guy that took the club out of the bag. So if you're a player that takes responsibility like that or right. like Tiger does, like a lot of the top players do, it's a great quality to have because those guys tend to not underachieve, in my opinion. And so Phil was responsible. Did, did, did I make mistakes? Absolutely, I did. Hopefully I made, you know, got things, you know, right way, way, way more than I didn't. And, and uh, you know, think things went well as a result. But uh, I mean, 
I don't care who you are, or who you caddy for, you butt heads out there, you argue, but, uh, you know, hopefully you're on the same team and you just try and do better the next day. Were you on the bag the, uh, for the 2009 U.S. Open? Uh, the one at Bethpage, I was, yeah. Yeah, can you, can you put us, that's the one where Phil, what driver on 18, correct? No, that, you're talking about Wingfoot in 06. I'm sorry, Wingfoot 06, yes. Yeah. So can, were, were you on the bag 06, Wingfoot? Sure, yeah, I, I worked for him the first 25 years of his career. And certainly, you know, there are, there are um, the funny thing about that day is, and I get, certainly get asked about it a lot. And, and, you know, that was a decision he made based on what went on prior to the round. The, the, the thing I tell people all the time is, you know, if a guy walks to the first tee and tells you, hey, man, I don't have it from a ball striking standpoint, and you're just trying to manage that, you know, um, you make decisions accordingly. And that's what went on on that 18th tee. But, but what, what surprises people is they say, boy, that just had to be a bitter pill. And certainly it was. It really stung and it stings to this day. But it doesn't sting nearly as badly as when you play really well and don't win. Right. So like when he lost to Payne Stewart in 1999 or lost to Goosen and Shinnecock in 04, Phil played great and he didn't win. That hurts way more. Were you trying to talk him out of driver, though? Like, can you take us on that 18th tee box, the U.S. Open? Because it's the one that has to haunt him, as you mentioned, till this day. Well, I, I, you know, I, I can't uh, betray his trust in terms sure. of what specifically we talked about. But, you know, basically, um, I would just say to anybody that questions what went on there, um, for anybody to assume that he was going to take out less club and make this majestic swing <laughs> in the middle of fairway, it is asking a lot on a day when he was troubling with his ball striking. So um, uh, what he did that day, he would do again, and I wouldn't change anything I did. That's just golf. But, but I also will say, too, what people don't realize is that um, the tee shot certainly was very poor, but it was the second shot. You know, we ended up getting a good break off the team um, and, and, and the second shot, you know, we, we got into more trouble. What was funny to a degree and kind of ironic was when I went back there for the U.S. Open last year, I realized that had somebody not put a concession stand where they did that day in 2006, our ball would have gone into a, a fairway on another golf course and we would have had an unobstructed view towards the 18th green and probably won the tournament. Oh. But the fact they put the hot dog stand where they did, the ball bounced off it and went in the trees. You know, you don't win the event. So it's it's funny how golf is. Find out who that person was. Fire them. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned Phil was always great about when you would make a mistake. He always kind of took responsibility. But do you have one mistake that you made over the years that just sticks out like a, a yardage that you just misread? Okay, you grab the you grab the nine instead of the six. Like what? Like just like a terrible the worst mistake you ever made. The worst mistake I ever made was at that U.S. Open against Payne Stewart in uh, 1999. Uh, on the 17th hole, they were tied and they both stiffed it on this part three down the hill. Phil hit it to about 10 feet. Payne hit it to five or six. And Phil brought me in for the read there. And I thought the ball was pretty straight and you could tell it broke to the right. Uh, so Phil misses, Payne makes to go up by one and beats us by a shot with the putt on 18. And, you know, that's caddying. If you caddy out there long enough uh, for a good enough player, those things are going to happen. It stings. But, uh, you know, I've got some Masters flags and a British Open flag on the wall next to me, and uh, I'll get over it. Uh, put us there when Phil won his first Masters. Knowing how much that tournament means to, to all golfers, but especially to Phil, uh, put us there when he won the first one. Uh, just incredible. You know, so much heat because he was having trouble winning his first one. Tiger shows up. They become that much harder to win. You know, you're in the last group on Sunday at the Masters, and uh, he gets off to a poor start, shoots 38 on the front nine, and uh, makes this incredible par putt on 10. 
and uh, and then just goes nuts. Birdies five out of the last seven to win by one, birdieing 18. Uh, it was incredible, an incredible relief, just the joy, you know, for him getting that monkey off his back, you know, winning a tournament that I think when he was young, he watched the Masters, I think it was in like 1980, and he turned to his mom and he said, I'm going to play golf for a living, you know, based on what he'd seen. I think Ballesteros may have won that year. Uh, it was incredible. You want to hear another funny story? Oh, please. So you get done with your player and um, – you know, as a caddy, you can't leave. So Phil wins the Masters and you go see Jim Nance and you go talk to the press and you go have dinner with the members. Well, if you're a caddy, you sit around with the clubs until all this is over. So I'm sitting down on a bench outside Augusta National Golf Club waiting to see Phil again. And uh, so I can throw his clubs in his car and we can all get out of there. And by the time I do, I think it's dark and uh, I see some rustling now. This, we're now, it's, I don't know what time it is, but it's been hours since I've seen Phil and I see some movement over by his car and so I pick up the bag and start walking towards him. And I can kind of see Phil and there's three grown men with him. And as I get closer, I realize I don't know who any of these guys are. And that's surprising because I've worked for Phil so long. I know everybody in his inner circle. So as I get closer and closer, they're now hugging. I'm like, well, this is weird. You know, Phil's hugging these guys. And, you know, I've never seen him before in my life. So I get there. I throw the bag in the car, shut the thing and leaves. And I come to find out. So as you guys know, if you win the Masters, you know, you're downstairs in the locker room. You take care of the locker room guys. But once you win the Masters, you move upstairs to the champion's locker room. And you never go in the regular locker room again. Well, those guys he were hugging with a locker, the locker room attendants from the regular locker room. Okay. And he tipped them so much money over the years. These guys were now losing a tremendous amount of cash because Phil was going up to the champion's locker room. So they were basically in tears and distraught that Phil had won the Masters. What a great story. What a great guy. Lefty. I mean, Chris Lefty. <laughs> That's what Lefty's all about. Wait, so I'm wondering, what's the best tip or gift he's given you? <laughs> uh, wow. You know, you know, he always took great care of me. The following year, um, we got to the Masters to defend in 05, and he gave some people in his inner circle a green-faced Rolex. Wow. with something special um, inscribed on the back of the watch. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm never going to own a Rolex in my life for crying out loud. I'm a caddy. And to have one with an Augusta green face on it, I mean, are you kidding me? So that was pretty cool. Unbelievable. All right, we're going to play a quick game, get you out of here. You've been great, and you've been gracious with your time. Uh, but first, tell us about what you're doing with Aon, because it sounds like you're doing some wonderful work. The Aon Risk Reward Challenge holes for the PGA and LPGA. Tell our audience about it and tell people how they can help. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's just something really cool to get plugged in. It's called the Aon Risk Reward Challenge. And it's basically what Aon has done is they've picked a hole at each event um, that, that, that these men and women play over the course of the year on their tours. And it's all about, you know, strategy and decision making. So you play that hole four times over the course of the week. They let you, you know, take your two best scores. They average out over the end of the year. And, and the, the winners on both tours, both men and women, uh, make a million bucks. And, and, and it, you know, it's and it's I really love it because I'm a caddy and it's all about, as we've talked about this, the strategy and the decision making you get on these very iconic holes, whether it's the 10th at Riviera or the 17th out here at the Phoenix Open where all kinds of craziness go on. And Brooks Koepka chipped it in for Eagle on his way to the win this year that not only won in the tournament, but put him in a great position relative to the Aon Risk Award Challenge. So it's just a lot of fun. The players and the caddies are really tuned into it. And it's just a, a really cool thing to keep up with as the players make their way through their respective tours over the course of the year. That's a great job by you, Bones. All right, we're going to play, and we'll continue to promote that uh, as we continue on here. Uh, quick game, and we'll get you out of here, okay? You've been awesome, and I hope to have you on again. Bones or no bones, okay? Bones or no bones, all right? The guy who dresses the part but doesn't play the part. 
I have a guy in mind. His name's Mike Ryan. He's our executive producer. Bones or no bones? Uh, no bones on that one. <laughs> I have a feeling you'd be no bones at all these. Guy was making excuses before he steps up on the first date. There's plenty of those. No names. But no. <laughs> I always get worried on the tour when you see the guys in there in the equipment trucks on Wednesday, the day before the tournament, who are getting something reshafted or a change. You know, those guys always kind of freaks me out. So I'm always looking for a guy that loves their equipment. As you say, no excuses. All right. Uh, Chris, I know you have a quick question. Uh, let me get through these and then we'll go to you. Uh, but I was hitting them so well on the range. Bones or no bones? <laughs> That's me, man. <laughs> Did I you say my, that? I, I got my member guest in two weeks, and I will use that. I promise you. <laughs> so bones for that. Wow, shocker. Um, that's good. Bones or no bones? The guy on the green, five feet away, and hey, you're good. It's a Ryder Cup year. No, no bones. You're not getting that for me. <laughs> Breakfast balls. Bones or no bones? Minimum two off the first tee, absolutely bones, yes. Really? Wow, bones, I didn't know about nice. Nicholson take breakfast balls? Come on, let's be honest. Better than me, man. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm hitting him in the lake. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, go ahead if you have a quick question. <laughs> you love hilarious. that. It is. Um, I'm just curious, other caddies, like is there beef ever between other caddies? What's something another caddy can do during a round that might annoy you? Um. That's a good question. I will say the Ryder Cup can get a little chippy. Um, you know, you just can't talk enough about how important an event that is and how much the players are into. And it drives me crazy when people say, oh, the Americans just don't care as much as the Europeans. That's why they haven't won, much, won as much. I mean, it's just the opposite. You, you, you pour your heart and soul into that event. And, and it means a tremendous amount to everybody, especially the winning part. So, um, you know, I've seen guys, you know, players and caddies get a little chippy there. Um, certainly, uh, if you feel like another caddy is getting your player's way, that would be a problem. But it, it's a fraternity out there. My best friends are caddies. I've got Jordan Spieth's caddy, Michael Grella, coming in for that member guest I just mentioned. I mean, I love those guys and girls. So it's, it's a great group. And uh, I'd, never, I'd rather hang out with caddies than anybody else. Now, you don't have to name names here, but there is one caddy out there that every other caddy's like this guy. <laughs> always walking through lines. Well, yeah, but I want him to name names. <laughs> All right, name names. Or is it you? <laughs> Until this show comes with adult beverages, I can't go there. So. <laughs> uh, Bones, this has been fantastic. Thank you. By the way, peeing in the shower, bones or no bones? Say that again. Peeing in the shower, bones or no bones? <laughs> no bones? How about the pool, bones or no bones? I got my kids wouldn't let me, man. I can't get away. <laughs> All right, get out of here. A uh, great work with uh, Aon. Thank you for your time. Very gracious. I hope to do this again, man. This was a blast, and I look forward to the invitation. You're gonna call me one day. We're gonna go play Augusta. <laughs> uh, yeah, ha happy Masters week to everybody. <laughs> What's your? Uh, give me your dream perfect scenario. Sunday final pairing at Augusta this Sunday. Uh, Bones McKay wants to see who. I'd like to see. I certainly think that DJ and Spieth are the two favorites. I'm not, you know, that, that's nothing uh, out of this world in terms of, you know, surprising people. I, I, this Spieth story is amazing. This is a guy that, if I'm not mistaken, when he played the Phoenix Open in February uh, on the gambling sites was 125 to one to win. So he shoots 61 that Saturday and has just, you know, obviously trended up and up and up. And he's still not all the way there. He said that himself. But the great thing about it is at Augusta, you don't have to be perfect off the tee. 
You've just got to be really good with your irons, keep the ball around the hole. So I'd love to see DJ Spieth and JT, who I think is the other third favorite in the mix. This is what I'm doing is pray for no rain. If it doesn't rain, it could get crispy. It could get dangerous. It'll be so much fun to watch if we get a dangerous Masters, which we're uh, we, we looking like we could get, you know, considering what it looks like early in the week. Love a, da- love a dangerous Masters. Yeah, but he doesn't. He likes the weather. He wants to see the colors. He wants to, yeah, he wants to be pure, man. Uh, DJ's arrived at that place. I remember Tiger in his prime would say, listen, my best is better than everyone else's best. And I think DJ is there where if he's got his game, his best is better than anyone else's best, I think, right now. You know, I can't argue with that. I'll say this. He's the most feared player in the game, and nobody can ride a wave of momentum more than him. I I won't argue with your point at all, but I will say I think that Justin Thomas is the most skilled player in the game. Two different things. Justin's got more shots. He's got length. He's got wedges. But but again, you know, typically in my experience, other than with Tiger, you get a guy playing well, they play well for two or three weeks – you know, Dustin can rattle off six or eight weeks of phenomenal play. You know, he, he, it's the way he carries himself. He can intimidate guys, and he's the most resilient player in the game. I can go out there and do TV, you know, at whatever event, and the guy's made a double bogey a half an hour ago. You bump into the fairway, and he goes, hey, man, what's going on? He's just that guy. He brushes everything off, and as you guys know at majors, that's an incredible quality to have. And, again, if you get past him, there's a great chance you're going to win. Uh, Bones, this was fantastic, man. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, continue the great work with Aon and what you're doing there. But thank you, man. This was this was dream come true stuff for us, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it, man. Thanks, fellas. You guys take care. God, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that so much. Mike, you were kind of like headed into Jim Bones McKay. I asked you, were you excited for the Masters? Meh. Uh, I'm wondering if Jim Bones McKay got you any more excited for, for the Masters in Augusta this week. It got me from a meh to a meh. Uh, Mike, one other question for you. Uh, you sounded, I don't know what's happening with your internet. Perhaps it's the microphone. You sounded a lot like Chris Cody during that interview. Uh, that was Chris Cody. It was? Stupidity! Stu here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold Miller Lite. So, we have... Always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.